Hi guys, my name is Tashoy. And my name is Natasha. And welcome, welcome to, to His Word. word. Yeah. We are here to bring you His Word through testimonies. And His Word is here to encourage, uplift, inspire, help, believe, and to trust. So what is a testimony, you may ask? I'll let you know. A testimony is a testament of what God is doing in your life. It is powerful to share your testimony and it will help other people who are going through the exact same thing. So guys, please remember to hear his word, speak his word, and share his word. His His word word is God's word. Welcome back to our episode on Testimony Tuesdays, hashtag TT. Now, this episode is essentially all about salvation. Now, to show you what is salvation. So, salvation is being delivered from sin and its consequences. So, what are you going through right now or what have you been doing that you need to be saved from? Now, our anchor is Ephesians 2, 8 to 9 and it says... For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Amen. Yeah? So it's trying to like explain to you that you are saved through your faith. Now, what is faith? Faith is believing in God. Yeah? Just by you taking a time out and just acknowledging him, that is you being saved. Now, this first episode is from Abraham. Abraham is, is our brother and he's an incredible, incredible man. He's here to um, explain to us about how he was saved and how God has changed his life. Our second episode is about... Also Salvation by mm-hmm. one of our other brothers, Ashley, which will come out next week. Everyone has different story of being saved. Do not judge anyone on their experience of being saved or how they got saved. Every story is different and we're just here to inspire you. We're just here to show you that God is always there with you and you will be always be there to guide you. And he's able to do anything for you. God is able to save you in all kinds of circumstances. Everything. You might be in jail. Yeah. A person may have passed away in your house. Yeah. You may have had an abortion. There's yeah. anything... God can use any scenario to help you to be saved, for you to turn away from what's currently happening in your life and to just reach salvation and to reach the glory in which he has for you. And what we need to understand is God is always there. He's always there. But it is you that needs to acknowledge the fact that God is always there. His presence is always with you. But if you Mm. don't believe it, if you're not seeking him, he's not going to show himself. But he's always there with you. So what we're going to do is we're not going to go into detail as what we normally do. Today, we are going to allow the testimonies to speak about their testimony and explain to you from their perspective. This is going to be on two episodes. So this episode is going to split into three three part episodes where two people were going to give their testimonies. And then on the third one, we are going to explain to you in more detail about the testimony. All right, then. So our first testimony is from Abraham he's a fantastic guy and I can't wait for all of you to hear how he was saved and how God has really changed his life so hi Abraham how are you today hello everyone Um, my name is Abraham and I'm from Coventry I go to Coventry University I'm actually originally from um, Kent and I have a cultural background of Nigeria Um, and I'm sharing my salvation testimony or my salvation story. And I um, really want to thank Natasha for this opportunity to share um, and the, the His Word team 
for the opportunity to share my my salvation story and um, by God's grace impact lives with uh, His grace in my own life um, to really inspire others and to give people uh, an opportunity to believe on God and believe on Jesus for what they are going through in their lives. Um, so it all starts, I guess, from when I when I uh, came to Kent. So I was actually born in a place called Eastbourne, which is south, like South England, uh, near Brighton. And uh, I grew up there until I was about six years old, and then I moved to Kent. And growing up as a, as a young um, African kid amongst a very Caucasian-centric uh, area, it was uh, an interesting experience. And um, I first want to let you guys know that I, I was never somebody that was too... Uh, uh, socially, um, socially silent or socially uh, like introverted, but um, I was definitely an extrovert as well. And so, um, stepping into that scene and being in a, like I said, a very Caucasian area, I felt like when as you as you grow up, as you go, you know, move from being a young child, you know, a toddler to a, to a young child to a, like a a child you begin to become a little bit more you begin to notice more of what everyone else around you looks like in comparison to yourself so you kind of begin to compare yourself to others and it's not necessarily in a bad way or a good way but you just compare yourself to um what you see and what is i guess succeeding or what is to, um, you know making people happy and then you look at yourself and you're thinking oh okay i don't quite have that and so I was in my primary school, I was the only um, African kid, only black kid. There were maybe one or two Asians um, and the rest were Caucasian. And I, Asians, I mean both Indian, so um, Western Asia and also East Asia, as in um, like Chinese and Japanese and everything. Um, so there was really a very small cultural diversity. Um, and I was the only African kid until my sister came, and then we were the only two African kids in, in in the primary school. And we never really faced racism too much, but um, growing up, I would often see that, okay, this is what the people that would always do well, the Caucasian kids and everything, they, they, those would always excel, they'd always get the most friends and all of that. Um, and subconsciously, you're kind of comparing yourself and thinking, okay, what does that person have that I don't have? And then what you find out is when you don't really know too much about yourself, you find that they have something that you just quite frankly can't get, which is, you know, they'll forever be white and you'll forever be black. So there's not, you can't really change your skin color. You will have this sort of features and they'll have those sorts of features. But again, primary school was never too much of a, of a, of a big problem for me. So like I said, I never really felt uh, face racism. But then going on to secondary school and in the mix of hormones and everything, um, and then now, you know, your I guess your emotional antenna is open to the opposite sex and everything. You begin to compare yourself differently. Now it's more of a look sort of thing. And I remember just because of the way I kind of like built myself, I'd always kept myself especially coming into secondary school, I'd always kept my emotions on the inside. You know, being a, a lad, you know, as you would call it, you know, one of the, one of the boys, um, especially in going to an all-boys school, you know, emotions wasn't something that guys were 
being very open about just oh um much rather they'd much rather talk about you know the football goes or whatever um and so the guys that were very um emotional or i guess very introverted they just kind of got ostracized not necessarily because nobody liked them but just because they weren't talking what everyone was talking um and uh i remember there was one um guy one lad that was um homosexual i remember he came out uh around uh christmas time of that year which was maybe dear lord jesus maybe it was 2013 around then 2012 2013 i came out and he was literally ostracized from the whole year everyone would just everyone separated themselves from him because of his his uh his beliefs and everything so i remember just feeling very introverted at that time hiding emotions and it wasn't like i was i had any feelings towards any male or anything or um but i was just uncomfortable with my own skin and I don't really know where that came about, but I guess in, in hindsight, it was just comparing myself to others. And so now growing up through uh, secondary school and everything, it just genuinely got worse um, as I began to experience, you know, racism here and there, um, especially when it got to bullying within my my school, bullying within my class. Um where I'd be bullied because of my my height, bullied because of my, my my African descent. And bullying was more of a case where, you know, people would be would look fine, like they're laugh, you're laughing with them, but when deep inside John, it's not funny. Um and so people would often think, oh no, he's not getting bullied. They're just they're just pulling his leg, they're just joking with him. He's, look, he's laughing, he's he's enjoying it. Well and truly it wasn't like that. You know, uh, I remember there was one time um, these guys were just, they were they were flat out strangling me under the table. And I was struck gasping for air. And I remember we had a substitute teacher at the time. Um, and she was just being oblivious to this whole thing. Everyone, it was in a computer room. So the way these rooms were like juxtaposed uh, or the way these, sorry, these tables were positioned uh, it was kind of easy to hide, like some shenanigans underneath the table. It's like two, three guys on me, strangling, you know, laughing. Whole class was laughing, but it was more like a, a laugh, and they're like, "Oh, these guys are taking it too far." And we're just gasping, gasping, gasping. Uh, and then one of my friends, he kind of pulled them aside. He's like, "Whoa, guys, like this, this is getting too far." He's actually not like he's not playing anymore. He's not breathing. They let go. They're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, you know, sorry. But of course, um, a lot of that actually was just stemmed from one guy just having such a control over everyone else. They would kind of be his his goons. So he would just tell them, oh yeah, do that, do that, do that. Um, and so without that person, these people would actually be very decent people in there by themselves. But when they get together, especially with that one person there, they'd be different people. And, um, of course, I overcame that. And by the time I got to 16, uh, you know, I started you know, um, fending for my own self and put these guys to bed and uh, was able to control them. But these, ways, you know, it's, when you don't express this stuff, my parents never knew. My parents didn't know about a lot of stuff that I wouldn't do because I would just come home, oh, how's school? Yeah, fine. How's, how's your exams? Yeah, fine. It was a, you know, it was a very similar um discussion based in the mantra and um 
you know, going then to 16, I got into my first relationship. And the most remarkable thing about this relationship is that the, the, the woman was, well, I say woman because she was actually a woman. I was 16 and she was around 22 years old. So there's a big age gap. Um, and I remember that it wasn't necessarily like anything super bad came out of that interaction. Um, but it was just the experience of that and being just a young kid and uh, um, being exposed to the idea of love and commitment and everything and richly really not being ready for it. I remember there was one time we were just on the phone and we were talking, we were watching like a, like a CSI movie. Uh, but we went together um, and she was just going through it. She'd seen it before. She was just running me through and everything. And I remember just thinking like, I could be doing something else right now. I, there's nothing really here. Like I'm not, I'm not interested at all. So I remember I wrapped up the phone call. Yeah, I love you. I love you, etc. And then I wrapped it up and I was like, yeah, I've got to end this. So I devised the plan, ended it. I remember the relationship we had, she kind of like treated me like a younger brother. Um, she never really had. Um, and I remember after ending it like that, uh, she was very distraught. And she didn't take it very well at all. It was her heart. And um, that feeling, you see, as a, as a 16-year-old kid, first relationship, everything, you just damned, like you felt like you damned someone's life. It was, it was quite tough. So I remember after that, I went into a stage of just... Uh, just being so unsatisfied with, with who I was. And um, I'd say from then on, I got into a, a, an early stage of depression where I would just love to sleep. Um, my pattern was I wake up, exercise, and I only exercise to look good, exercise, uh, go to school, come back, sleep till the AMs, eat, watch some videos on YouTube or something go back to sleep, wake up and do the cycle again. I used to sleep a lot. And canny hours, like in total in a day, 24 hours span, I'd sleep like 12, 12 hours in different, over different spots. Half of the day was spent sleeping as much as I could. Just because the, the dream realm was something surreal and um, it took you out of reality. I always felt so tired as well. And I remember developing a condition in my heart which meant that sometimes as, as I'd be doing activities, whether it be exercise or anything, sometimes my heart would like jar up. It'd feel like it was jarring up, so it would stop a beat. This would take a, like a, like a, this would like sap me from energy or sap energy from me as it would happen, but it would just be momentary. I remember going to the doctors about it and everything, and they were saying it was one enlarged um, vessel, blood vessels, not vessel, but some, I, I never, I didn't even really listen to what it was happening something to do with the uh, the ventricles out of the in and out of the heart uh, on the left side and um, it was just uh, something that just was just like adding on um, and then during my 16 to 18 years um, I would get into another relationship but that didn't end very well either um, and uh, it was just as if like I couldn't because kind of like when you feel the way I did kind of want to find something that uh, can help you and you don't really want to go to your family as well i don't even know why to this day i don't know why i did it um but i definitely acknowledge that, that was the wrong thing because the family are there to love you at all times and um 
just to give a little background to it as well, I was raised in a Christian household, but I never given my life to Christ. Neither had I ever experienced the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I didn't know anything about it. I didn't even know. I knew that Christ died. Um, it was just another story to me. And I didn't, definitely didn't understand what that meant, what happened when he rose. And then I remember there was a, also a time when I was a very young kid. I remember just looking up at the ceiling and saying, you know, give God, if you're real, show yourself to me. Nothing happened. I would do that often because I wanted to see, okay, I'm hearing this. I'm trying to experience this. I mean, if I do, I can run with it for the rest of my life. Nothing happened. Um, then, so going back to where I was uh, after the relationship again, second one, um, I just, you got to just go progressively worse. It's just my, me just really not liking who I was, not being comfortable in my own skin. Uh, oh, I have a too, I have too big a nose, too tall. I like my face. I'm so unfit. I'm so fat. I'm everything. Um, and uh, got to the point where I would um, not, I wouldn't slip my wrist or anything, you know, but I would just uh, self-harm in terms of just, you know, beating myself up a lot, uh, you know, physically, uh, put myself into situations where I would get very, uh, ex ex I would exert a lot. Um, just because, like, it wasn't necessarily pain felt good, but I just felt like, okay, if I keep myself working, I can somehow work towards a, a goal that, quite frankly, is actually unattainable. So anyways, um, now graduating from A-levels, I didn't do as well as I wanted, so I didn't get to the uni that I wanted to go to, so I had to go for clearing, and then going now to Coventry University. Um, coming to university, I said there's a lot, you know, you feel like a, a fish in a pond, and a fish in the sea, not even a pond, because you're one person coming from one area of the UK to a place where there's 30,000 plus students, all of where varying different ages, cultural backgrounds, dislikes, likes, appreciations, everything. And, um, you know, it's a little tough if you yourself have come in already having issues with oneself, with identity issues, um, uh, depression and things like that, just being just very... Uh, very estranged from reality. Like I, I would live a false reality. I would, and I was lying a lot as well. I was lying a lot just because I cultured that in. Like when everyone would ask me, oh, how are you? I'm saying I'm fine. Uh, so the bravado and the itself, which are just being a, a, a compulsive liar. Um, so nobody could really take me seriously as well uh, because they would take what I'd say as with a grain of salt. So now coming into uni, first year of study, everything, it was just, you know, with all the partying and everything and the drinks, the alcohol, um, just trying to fill a void, the usual story, but it never got anywhere. It's impossible to fill that void with material things. Um, and I remember with the, going back to the heart condition as well, it would get progressively worse until now we're getting to February of 2018 now. And um, I mean, there's one time I was in my room just eating because when I got to uni, you know, the freedom of everything you get, I would often spend my money on fast food because I didn't, it's not that I didn't know how to cook. I thought I was a very nice, a very good chef. I just didn't like to be around my housemates. So I'd just go out, buy food and go into my room. And I was eating one particular fast food and then um, my heart began to, to pulsate rapidly. 
and I looked up in the ceiling and just felt like energy was being sucked with me, life itself was being sucked from me, so I laid down to kind of gather myself, but wasn't stopping. And I'm just feeling so weak at that moment and thinking, and almost laughing, like, wow, I could die. And I remember thinking that uh, if I did, it'd be a, a long while to anyone found me because for me, I didn't really call home. So uh, my parents, it's not that they were comfortable with it, but they got used to me ignoring their calls and calling home for uh, uh, for like periods of weeks. And then my housemates never saw me. They thought I would go home or I'd disappear. I wouldn't be there. They never thought I was really around. Classmates, I had some classmates, but I was by that time I was really going to lectures like that. And um, yeah, so I was laying there and I thought, wow, I could actually die. But then, I, then something in me said that I, I don't want to die. You know, I don't want to die because um, I'm just 18. Just 18. I'm just a, I'm just a kid. There's so much for me to live for. And that was one of the first times I really remember feeling like, okay, I, my life actually has a purpose. And I don't know why, well, I don't know why uh, at that time I didn't understand that, but it came to me by divine inspiration at that time that I actually have a purpose. I don't know what it is. I'm sure once I find it, I'll be excellent at it because there's no one that can do me like me. So um, I'm just willing myself to live. And I didn't die, of course. I mean, you're hearing me today. Um, and after that, there was this particular book of the Bible that my mother, that I'd taken with me, my mother put with me, uh, kept with me, but I never wrote, read it. So it, it was just on, on the side of it. I had a little shelf on the left side of my bed and um, where I now looked and the Bible was there and it was glowing. It had a, it had a different aura to it. I'd never seen it look the way it did. And so I, I went to it and I picked it up and uh, began to open it, read through everything like that. And uh, the realities that I'd heard from a, a, a young child, I'd, I'd now seeing them, they were looking different. Like the word of God was almost adding energy to me. And so I said that if I want to follow this purpose that I saw in almost like an epiphany, was laying down on my bed, and my heart was pulsating. Because it was, it was a pulsing, like it was jumping, my heart was jumping on my chest, and every beat, I was losing energy. I said, okay, I've got to make a change somewhere. Something has to be rearranged. And maybe if I believe on Jesus, he can be that change for my life. I knew what to do. I'd been around the church, the body of Christ, especially young kid until I now got to an age where I just didn't go. But uh, my parents were continuously Christian. My mom praying the Holy Ghost. My father praying the Spirit. Um, read the Word, especially when I was younger, they'd read the Word to us. Got us to be involved in children's school, Bible studies and everything. So I knew some things. But you can, you can be aware of God's Word, but not have an understanding of it. You can be aware of the things it talks about be aware of the characters, it can become more like a textbook to you than a reality, than the, than the reality, should I say, or the truth. Um, and so I gave my life to Christ that day. I looked up for the prayer of salvation on my, my uh, computer, read it out, prayed to receive the Spirit. Uh, just, just receiving the Holy Ghost. And 
I prayed that prayer also. And uh, I remember after that moment, feeling very encouraged and inspired. Uh, and my journey with Christ began that day. And after that, a series of events happened involving me going to church, being invited to church by a friend of mine who played basketball, who suddenly just saw something different about me after I'd given my life. Uh, I call that the, the glow of the, of the regenerate man. And by regenerate man, I mean somebody that's a new creature. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Um, and after that, he led me to the church that I am, where I am now, which is uh, believers that well uh, under the uh, leading of my, my personal man of God, Pastor Chris Oyakinami. And he has changed my life through the messages that he has brought. And being able to go there and to hear the word and uh, the true word of God, the but it's talking about the character of Jesus Christ and the reality of the Holy Spirit and what it means to be a born-again Christian, your inheritance in Christ, your purpose. Uh, I was able to align myself with where God wanted me to be, and it became a journey, walking with the Lord every day. Because every day is a new day to walk with the Lord. And so every day became a glow to me. The things that I used to do, you know, going out, drinking, things like that, they, I, they just became a sudden disdain. Because... I knew that if I did this thing, I'd be drawing further from the Lord. So I wanted to draw nigh onto him. So he'd draw closer to me because he's a God of response um, and action. So I grew and it was amazing. You know, the word of God. I remember my mom came to visit me uh, a week or so after I gave my life to Christ. And she just saw such a change in me. She's like, oh, you never, you know, read the Bible like this. You know, what changed? What happened? I just said, you know, God spoke to me. Um, he spoke to me and he reached out. Um, and I reached out back and I grabbed his hand. Now, um, I, as I took the master's hand, he's, he's holding on strong and I'm holding on strong as well. And we're now walking and my life began to change slowly. The people that I used to be with, I used to, I separated from them. Uh, my health got so drastically much better. I mean, the heart condition, the reason I can't really disclose what it really was because I don't know but it just has left. I've never experienced that pulsating since that day. And the aches, they gradually left as I took the word of God, which is life, onto them that find it in health to all their flesh. So now gradually, you know, looking back at that, that was over two years ago now. Um, it's been a, a beautiful ride. The Lord has shown me and revealed to me so many things, giving me the leverage and the authority to, 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 to. also, not only now, bring and build up my own salvation but to now bring others into the reality and the beauty of a life in jesus christ um jesus said to his disciples and to all i mean i guess it was it was a statement that was made in a moment but that statement is still relevant now it's an everlasting statement which is for to come onto him all that are all that labor and are heavy laden all that are burdened with the affairs of this life and religion and to uh, come to him and he will give you rest um, to take his yoke to join him in this work upon you and to learn of him for he's meek and lowly in heart and lowly in spirit lowly sorry um, and you will find rest for your souls you will find rest for your spirit and this is a rest that when you enter into you seize from your works just as God did from his on the seventh day and so I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to be able to share this and to inspire others that no matter what is going on in your life, 
God is always right there for you to take his hand. Because he wants you to join him in his in his triumph. And he wants you to join him in his victory. Because he's not going to join you from where you are. Because that's not the life he wants you to live. He wants you to join him. He wants you to elevate your vision, having received the Holy Spirit. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will tell me to lift my eyes from the gutter. And what he refers to, what he means by that is to change my perspective. Now I can confidently say that I don't let external circumstances affect my internal condition. Um, and that's because the word of God has thoroughly furnished me. You know, I, I grew a relationship with the word of God, which Jesus said is, is one thing that is necessary. He said that to, to Mary Martha, to Mary, and, uh, uh, Mary Magdalene and Martha, sorry. Um, he, said to, he said to Martha that one thing is needful and Mary has chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. And we know through divine revelation that that is the word of God. Those are the words that Jesus spoke whilst he was walking this earth. And the words of the Holy Spirit ministers to us as he hears from the Father, he hears from Jesus and speaks on their behalf to us. So I'm just so grateful. And what I would say is one thing that I learned from this is always reach out. You know, the Bible says a friend loving for all times and a brother is born for adversity. Don't ever feel like your, your situation is ever too personal to the point where nobody else has gone through it. The Bible also says there's no temptation that is taking you but such as is coming to man. But God is faithful who will, will try and, you know, who, who will, I, I guess the best word is screen the challenges that come your way. He will not let you suffer something that you are not able, but he's, he, he who he will make in a, a way to escape through that tribulation, that temptation, that you may be able to bear it. Now, of course, I said 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13, a little bit in my own way, just so that you can understand, because I like King James. So just for those of you that don't like King James, I wanted to explain it a little more. But that's what it's saying in, in, in generality. You'll find that the temptations, the things that you're going through, you're not the only one that has gone through it. And somebody else has learned from that experience that can teach you so you don't have to go through the experience as well. I can tell you right now, experience is not the best teacher. The Holy Spirit is the best teacher. And he will teach you how to go through life to the point where you don't have to fall. The Bible says he's able to keep you from falling. So it doesn't have to be a point where you're falling and you're getting back up, you're falling and you're getting back up. He's able to keep you from falling. The final thing I would say is that Jesus is understood through his word because he is the word. The Bible describes, describes him as the word made flesh who was with the Father from the beginning of time. So, if you want to find out who Jesus is, if you want to hear his voice, because I know that maybe, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. That may be something that many of you may be wondering how to hear from God. But if you want to make a decision to decide to hear his voice, because he said, my sheep hear my voice. And it wasn't an expression. It was a reality. If you're his sheep, you hear his voice. So if you are a sheep, if you yield yourself to him, if you want to hear from him, you will hear his voice. And you begin to learn how his voice sounds, what he says through the word of God. And then once you do that, acknowledge him in all things. The Bible says, trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not onto your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he'll direct your paths. And that is the number one scripture that I live my life by. Because I'm insufficient to live this life by myself. But I hold hands with Jesus by the Holy Spirit. And I'm guided through every step. I want to thank you all for listening again. Again, I want to thank Natasha and the His Word team. 
for making this platform where young and old Christians, both in like, physical age now, because we're all, we're all young in spirit, glory to God, uh, can share the experiences, the wonders, the grace that God has intermingled with our lives through the Holy Spirit, through the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we can exhort others, provoke others onto greater works and to greater love. Um, so always remember Jesus and always refuse in the shadow of his wings. Thank you so much. Wow, what a powerful episode on salvation. Abraham, you really kicked off this series in a fantastic way. I have learned so much about how God is able to just intervene in times of need. You know, he's always there when we need him. And I'm so happy and grateful that he has saved you and that he's enabled you, Abraham, to come out of that state in which you were in. And we just want to pray that, you know, anybody out there who's going through anything, just turn to God. Like you need to rely on him. He's literally the only one who can take you out of what you're currently experiencing. So thank you again, Abraham, for coming on to this podcast. This is a fantastic opportunity in which to enable people to see and hear God's word through your testimony. Amen. 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 Right, guys. So what we need you to do right now is to like us on our Instagram page, His w.org we want you to also follow our instagram page and share our instagram page we want you to also send in any voice messages on anchor which you're able to do now we also have our email address which is his godly word at gmail.com to share your testimony to give your advice or any feedback that you would like to give us on each episode if you know anyone that is struggling or having a hard time contact us we have our details on our platforms and we are able to help them to be guided in the right way and to know christ and also our next episode is about ashley and ashley was saved in jail so guys tune in for next week on how to be saved and please remember his word is god's word hey his word is god's word hello his word is god's word